following is a message from Praise and Worship, a community of people in Branson, Missouri who are loved by Jesus and joining Him in His mission to bring love and hope to all people. For more information and for more audio and video content, visit www.branson.church. So the first week we talked about the foundation. The foundation is Jesus. We read about that once again here. And then last week we talked about the cornerstone. Turns out he's not only the foundation, he's the cornerstone upon which everything is being built. And, and we got to see him lay out his plans. Remember his plans? His plans are very simple. You were saved by grace through faith so that no one could boast because it's not about you. It is about him and him saving you. He created you in advance to do good works, to participate with him in his building project. Now see, praise and worship, this, that's like a double entendre for us because we have a bit of a building project going on. And I can tell you, they're doing great work and it's coming along great. But it's not finished yet, just like us. We're not finished yet because we are God's building project. And he is, he's laid the foundation, he has put out the plans, he is building us up into a new people, as we will see. But what about the builders? Yeah, yeah. One of the things we've been doing as Praise and Worship is, be, is constructing the new Praise and Worship Center is we are praying for the builders, those who are working on the project. And we pray that they will be blessed. We pray that the curse of creation will be suspended while they're working. You know what the curse of creation is. Anybody ever been hammering a nail and you miss the nail and you hit your thumb? This is, this is the curse because so, you will curse when it happens. Yeah, that's what happens. And so it's the curse of creation, but it also is this curse of creation. And so we've been praying that that would just be limited and so that they would be set free to do the work and to actually maybe even find fulfillment in it. As, as, as many of you can tell, when you build something, there's something kind of cool that happens when you start to see it come together. And so we've been praying for the workers, we've been praying for the builders, and we're gonna continue to do so as they complete the project over these next several weeks and and, maybe even eight or 10 weeks out, however long it takes. And so when we pray for the builders, we're doing that, but we need to recognize there are not just those builders with the hammers and and all the equipment. There's some building going on right in this room, in your lives and in all of our lives, and that's what we wanna take a look as we look at this next section. And so I want us to start very simple, because that's what Paul did in his letter to the Corinthians. First Corinthians chapter two, verse one, and then we'll pick it up a little bit with verse two. I want you guys to think about this. Because so often, you know, you'll ask yourself, well, what's the whole point? What's you know, there's a, who was it? One of, the, one, of the, one of the great leadership gurus of the 80s and 90s. You know, keep the main thing the main thing, right? That's, what, that's good advice. Well, I like that. And what is the main thing? And that is, here he says, when I came to you, brothers and sisters, I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. So, you know, it's interesting. I don't know if you guys knew this, but as a pastor and a preacher, I will oftentimes get, preacher, you know, sermon suggestions. It's kind of like when you call the radio station and say, hey, we got requests for you to play. And this is good. I want that. Please continue it. But one of the things that always happens inside me, I'm like, I kind of think we just got one sermon request right here. This is kind of it. This is all we need to do. And you're like, but doesn't that get boring? Well, you ask me, or you tell me. Let me ask you this question. Who here has had a rough time of lately or any time? 
right? Who here is just bright-eyed and bushy-tailed today? I mean, some of us are. I kind of am. I had two cups of coffee, so I'm going good. But, but, you know, we could all talk about how we're in trouble, right? Or we've experienced that. You might be like, no, Mark, I'm actually having a great day. Praise God. And I would do that. But today is joy day. It's when we light the pink candle, right? You're like, what does that mean? I'm like, it's the, joy. It's the day of joy. And joy is so important. And there's only one source for joy in this world. See, because like, here's the deal. Let's say that you're a young person and you got a new job and you're like, man, I'm making more than my buddies are making. I'm, 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 I've got everything I ever wanted. I've got a great job. My, my, my wife loves me. We're have, we got kids on the way. And let's say you're in that phase of life and everything's just going according to plan and it's all great. And then all of a sudden, you live happily ever after. Oh, wait, that doesn't usually happen. And even if it does It's not actually ever after. It's only maybe 70 or 80 years, right? And then death comes. No matter what, there's only one source of joy. Let's say you're on the other end. It's like, Mark, you know, the the hard part of life is over. We're we're in retirement now. We've got the grandkids coming for Christmas. It's going to be great. And everything's just, you know, it's just finally what we've always hoped for. And that's great. And then next thing you know, the doctor calls and says, I need to talk to you about your test results. You know, whatever it might be. These are all the kinds of things we face. Or some of you guys might be like, you know what, that's all great. I'm just trying to get through today. And see, wherever you're at on this spectrum, I want you to know that there's only one source for joy. Because if Jesus Christ did not get born and put in the manger and did not go to the cross and did not rise from the dead, then eat, drink, and be merry because tomorrow you're dying. I mean, that's that's all you got. It's just your best chance is 70 or 80 good years, and we get upset when we don't get that many. Guess what? We get upset when we get that many or more. One of my dear friends, her dad lived to be 110. And she said, you know, it's kind of hard to, I feel, she told me, I feel guilty for being sad that he died. And I'm like, why? Why would you feel guilty about Because she said he lived to be 110. Most, almost no one gets to do that. Very few people get to live that out. And she said, and now I'm still sad that he died. And I'm like, yeah, you know why that is? Because 1 Corinthians 15, just a few chapters later, death is the last enemy to be defeated. Death is not good. I mean, you could make the argument from Philippians chapter 1 where Paul says to die is gain. But then he said, you know, to live is Christ, right? The idea is, yes, die is gain in terms of you go to be with Jesus. Praise be to his name. That's not the plan. That is still the enemy to be defeated. That's why Jesus was born and placed in the manger and then went to the cross and then came out of the empty tomb. I'm not going to stop talking about that. And you shouldn't either. None of us should. Because our source of joy is that Jesus is risen. Risen from the grave so that you and I, no matter what we face, we have hope. No matter what we face, we have the power of love, the most powerful force in the universe that we can then share with one another and make a difference in the things that matter most. Yeah, there are some people that like, well, what you need is Jesus and then you need something else, right? No, 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 Jesus plus nothing, that's everything. Jesus plus anything, eh, that's nothing. But Jesus plus nothing, that's everything. Take a look at 1 Corinthians 2, verses four and five. Now, I want to introduce you to this term. So, you know, we talk, sometimes people talk about the house of God, right? We're gathered in this holy house, and it is. Holy means set apart, and you might be like, Mark, this is like a garage, right? What, how could this be holy? Because Jesus is here. 
How could your house be holy? Because Jesus is there. How could anywhere you're ever at be holy? Because Jesus is there. And whenever you say, we're going to pull over and we're going to cry out the name of Jesus, we're going to invite him into our presence, it's called a powerhouse because his power is there. Look at, what he, look at what the Apostle Paul says, because guess what? They didn't have a church building. There were no church buildings for the first 320 plus years of Christianity. Not one church building. And yet there was a whole lot of holy places. You, you tracking with me? And they were meeting in some dude's house. In fact, we can kind of put together, archaeologists believe they have found at least one of the meeting places that the Corinthian church met in because at the end of the letter, it mentions the guy's name and it turns out he was a city official and one of, and one of, the, one of the blocks in the city streets has his name engraved. And so we're pretty sure, based upon putting all those things together, we know where they met. But it was a house. It was a house. And, and look what he says. He goes, my message and my preaching, he didn't have a podium, I'm betting. I'm betting he just stood there and said, let me tell you about the time I met Jesus on the road to Damascus. And he was like, hey, Paul, what are you doing? My message and preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. Now, some of you grew up Lutheran, and you, you always, Lutherans get nervous when you say that word. You're like, does this mean we have to become Pentecostals? Well, if that's what you got to do to say the word power, then let's do it, man, because it's a demonstration of the Spirit's power. Everybody's like, really? Yeah. So that your faith may not rest on men's wisdom. That's why I call Uncle Marty and Martin Luther. He's my uncle because he's, not, he's a man, and he himself said, do not call yourselves Lutherans. What did Luther do for you? He is a stinking bag of maggots. That's exactly what he said. He said, you put your, call yourselves Christians because Christ died for your sins and he rose from the grave to give you life eternal. Don't, we don't ever want to rest, put our faith in any man. And as a man who is talking, that's important for me to say to you. Because in, if, those of you who have known me for more than 10 minutes, yeah, Mark will let you down from time to time. In fact, sometimes more often, you, if you put your faith in any person, it will fail. But if you put your faith in the Spirit, in Jesus, in God Almighty, whoo, now we got a powerhouse going. See, that's why there was a man here before me talking, and there will be a man here after me talking, and doesn't matter who you plug in, as long as they're preaching Christ crucified, boy, we got a powerhouse on our hands. We got a demonstration of the Spirit's power. Because you know what power is? The word power is that which can make a change. Like if you take, you know, the Greek word for power is dunamis. And from that word, we get our word dynamite. And there's a reason for that, because if you think of dynamite, it kind of has a relationship to dunamis. It, it's a powerful thing. You put it in the hill, the hill will change, <laughs> right? And we've seen this. If you drive around Branson, you see where they've had some dynamite, you know, some dunamis in the hill. And that's what's going on. It, it's the ability to bring a change. And the change that he brings to us, oh, guess what? This is why we light these candles. Hope. He gives us hope. He gives us hope. See, there's no reason to have hope in this world. This is the world. This is the, the message of the world. You ready for it? It's really easy. Humanity came from a series of long changes from random events that came from eventually a pond of goo. That's, that's your origin story. Pond of goo, you know, to me and you through the zoo, right? That's how it happened. And so, so you have this sort of, and I know I'm, I'm, that's a, not an entirely faithful representation of the Darwinian account, but the point is this. No matter how you represent it, with all the specific details you come up with, at some point, there are random events that have no meaning. 
And at the end of the day, death is beneficial, important even, to the process. Meanwhile, the story of Jesus is death is the enemy to be defeated. You hear that? And so if death is beneficial and you gotta like keep your species going, then you have no hope. I mean, what's your best hope? Well, I can maybe improve some DNA here and there. Maybe I can leave a lasting legacy to my kids. Maybe make sure that they're set, you know, whatever. But it, it still has no meaning. It has, there's no hope. I'm talking about you and me living forever. That's what we're talking about. That has power. And, that's a, and, and, and guess what? The second thing that we get, are given is love, right? Love. Do you know what love does? Love brings light into the darkness. The prophet Isaiah said to you and to me and to all the people who would hear his words, there is a great light coming and they will see it. It's the light of Jesus and his love. You th- I want you to just to try out love in your life. See how it goes. See if that doesn't make a difference in the things that matter most. See what happens if somebody treats you poorly and it's December, so it's bound to happen today. And so someone treats you poorly and you have this thing well up in you and you're like, well, I, they deserve a knuckle sandwich. This is what, this is what the grandpa used to say. And so, so you, you, they deserve a knuckle sandwich. No, they don't. I mean, maybe they do, but this is about love. And watch what happens if you say, well, you know what? Deep breath. And you love that person. Do you see what happens to the world? It starts to bring heaven to earth. Interesting idea there. So that your faith may not rest on men's wisdom, but God's power. Because the third thing that God gives us is the pink candle. He gives us joy. And we said last week, joy is different from happiness. Happiness is based on your circumstances. If you won the lottery, you're happy. If you didn't, well, bummer right? Meanwhile, joy comes in the morning. Joy comes alongside the sadness and grief and the frustration and the hurts that we have. Take a look at verse 12. We have not received the spirit of the world. We mentioned that. The spirit of the world is every man for himself, survival of the fittest, the whatever you got to do to get through it, survive, whatever you got to do, but the spirit who is from God so that we may understand what God has freely given to us, to you and to me. God has given you everything. He gave you his only son so that you would be able to have hope and love and joy forever and ever and ever and so that you would be able to be with those whom you've lost forever and ever and ever so that there would be no more tears in your eyes forever and ever and ever so that the people who are downtrodden in this world would be brought back up forever and ever and ever so that no matter how many years go by, whether it's 34 or 34,000, you will see the people that you have lost because they are with Jesus right now and forever and ever and ever. I told Harley I was going to do that, and now I'm crying, but that's okay. Verse 13, let's keep rolling. This is the power of the gospel, right? This is what we speak, Paul writes, by the power of the Holy Spirit, not words taught us, right? By human wisdom, we didn't figure this out on our own, but words taught by the Spirit. Words taught by the Spirit expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. Anybody who's ever sat down and listened to their favorite music, like you, you guys, some of you guys might not, are not into music a little bit, but you have, like, there's certain music, right? Everybody in here is thinking of certain music. Think about your favorite music. 
Talk to me about spiritual words, right? Is music not one of the most obvious spiritual forces in the world? Guess why we sing? Where do you go anywhere else in your life other than maybe a concert where we would sit as, as people and sing together? And this is exactly what we do. This is spiritual truths in spiritual words. They go to your bones, to the marrow, to, to the depths of your heart. This is the power of the gospel. This is the good news. Take a look at verses, this chapter three, verses five and six. How does God build the powerhouse? You know, I could tell you, we could go over to the new building this morning. It'd be a little cold because the heater's not running yet, but we could go over there. We were hoping to eventually be there today. But the idea is if we went over there, we'd show you, oh, look, there's where they're doing this. There's where they're putting that in. Oh, there's the fire suppression system. It's taking a long time to put in, but I think they got it in there now. They just did the insulation. You know, you can sit there and look at all the things they're doing. You can see how they're building it, right? How does God build the powerhouse? How does he do it? Look at this. What, after all, Paul writes, is Apollos. He's not, put, he's not throwing shade on Apollos. Apollos is a good friend. They're like high-fiving in the gospel. That's what they're doing. And he goes, by the way, what is Paul? So just to make sure we don't misunderstand him. Only servants. Now that word servants is the Greek word for, well, it's deacon. <laughs> That's what it is. These are ministers. These are people who believe Jesus and want other people to know about him. That's all they are. And look at what it is. So, they're the servants, they're the, they're the deacons, they're the, the ones who carry the message, and it's through whom you came to believe. See, here's the thing. The, the, the philosophy of the world is, right now, it's the only authority for truth is science, which is kind of silly, because science, is not, science has no ability. Science is a, is a methodology, it is a philosophy, it is an approach, and I love it. I think science is awesome, and if you were to sneak up on me on a day during the week when I'm not working, you might see me reading about scientific things. I love it. I think it's awesome. And, um, and it has nothing to do with, with what, how we get a, th- a truth. We get truth from scientists, maybe, but not from science. Scientists will tell us, hey, I did this experiment, and they'll document it, and they'll demonstrate it, and they'll show it, and it's beautiful and powerful, and it gives us things like you know, the ability to project words on the screen and to drive a car and to fly in an airplane and all those other things, and it is amazing. It is a great gift. But at the end of the day, we only learn about what they have discovered by what they tell us and show us, which is absolutely no different than how we learn about Jesus. It's through what people tell us and show us. And that's exactly what's, how God builds the powerhouse. Somebody at some point told you the story of Jesus. Somebody at some point said, you know, God actually loves you. And somehow, some way, I'm guessing because you're in the room with us today, you believed them. Just like when somebody said two plus two is actually four, and they showed you how it works. God loves you, and I'm going to show you how, how it works. He went on this thing we call the cross, right? It was two pieces of wood laid together and he was nailed to it. Sounds bizarre, but this was God Almighty sending his son to save you and to save me. This is the promise. This is how God builds the powerhouse. He sends people then, he goes, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, and it's through them that you came to believe as the Lord has assigned to each his task. Paul planted, Apollos watered, who made it grow? God. God made it grow. And, and this is so important because 
if, if you have a Yehu up here talking or a, a, a team doing some work or, or a share and care group, a serve team serving, all of that is great and we need to keep doing all those things. We need to plant, we need to water, we need to cultivate, we need to lift everyone up in prayer, we need to keep on doing all those things. But at the end of the day, we don't have to make it grow. And this is so important and I can tell you as someone who does a lot of talking about this, the temptation to try to make it grow comes on me and sometimes you might feel that temptation too because you're with someone who isn't a believer and you're like oh I should have said this I should have said that if only I had remembered to say this one bible verse or or to tell them that one story when God helped me when I was in a pinch then maybe somehow or that one time when that person was in need and I was sort of scared and I didn't do anything and then I you see that how this works? We start to feel the burden of God's job on our shoulders, and it ain't our job. Plant, seed, water, whatever we gotta do, keep throwing those seeds out. Keep loving your neighbor. Keep doing what you were called to do, not what anyone else was called to do, right? It's like we were joking, because they're getting a team together, they're gonna go and do the painting and the trim work and all the things that will finish out the new building, and I was like, you know, my calling, <laughs> if you saw me with a paintbrush, they'd be like, you know what, Mark, you go sit down, why don't you carry the paint buckets, that'd be great. And so that's what I will do, I'll carry the paint buckets, but the point being in all of this is to say, whatever your calling is, go do it, right? And some of you guys are called to do all kinds of things that you may not think, well, that's not religious, that's not spiritual, are you kidding me? Who gave it to you? How did you get it? By the Spirit, by the power of God. And he builds the powerhouse through his people. Each of our individual, the old word for it is vocations, which means what we're called to do. And we all have many of those. Some of us are parents, some of us are children, some of us are siblings or friends or workers or retirees or anywhere along the spectrum and we have things we're called to do. Just do your thing. Just do your thing. He'll make it grow. He'll make it grow. You might say, well, if we don't do this, it won't work. Eh, I don't know about that. There's only one thing we're supposed to do, Jesus Christ and him crucified. If we do that, God will make it grow. God will make it grow. He promised. He promised you. He promised me. Take a look at verses eight and nine. What, scratched out, who is the powerhouse? The man who plants and the man who waters have one purpose. For each will be rewarded according to his own labor. We are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. You are God's field. You are God's building. So, when you think about the future, because some of us are like, Mark, we're just here out of town. We don't know anything about your building. No, no, no. You know about his building, and he's building it. Wherever we go, wherever we are, who is the powerhouse? It's God's people. You know, it's like, what is his goal? His goal is to build up a new humanity where there isn't judgmentalism and racism and evilism and any other kind of ism you can think of. There are no isms. They're just people. They just love each other. They take the hope and the love and the joy given to us freely by God and we just share it however it is appropriate for you to share it. Don't feel like you gotta do anything else than what you're already called to do because you are his field and you are his building. Now, I'm gonna put some words on the screen, verses, verse 16. Now, um, I, I just if there's anything you remember today, please remember this because this is a demonstration of his power. You yourselves are God's temple and God's spirit lives in you. 
He, in the scripture, he asks it as a question. Do you not know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you? I'm changing it from a question. I'm not asking you if you know. I'm proclaiming it to you. You are, you are God's temple. You are, you are the dwelling place for his spirit. You're like, Mark, you don't know nothing about me. And I'm like, I don't have to. I'm just throwing seeds out. He who hears the words, she who hears the words and believes what they say has what they promise. Let's pray about that. Heavenly Father, I ask you right now to renew our faith in these words, in your words, the promises of God, the power of the gospel which creates the powerhouse. God's people rising up together to become a dwelling place in which you live. Where the kavod Yahweh, the glory of the Lord lives in our bodies. Your glory, your spirit by your word. And I pray that we would believe this, that we would not feel some sort of burden, that we have to do it. No, 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 no. You're the builder. You make it grow. You work through your servants, but you make it grow. Remind us of this truth and set us free from our burdens so that as we go out into this busy world of December 2019 and we deal with all the things that are going on in our lives, that we would know that you have chosen to live in our bodies and to let your light shine through us. We ask this through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.